0: The Suds and the Squared Circle podcast. My name is Vinny Apicella. You are here listening wherever you find your favorite podcast, as well as Suds and the Squared Circle.com. Uh, we are here with you today on Monday, October 10th, 2022. Happy Columbus Day to all of you uh, people of Italian uh, legacy or Italian uh, descent, I should say. Um, I want to thank you all for listening and downloading the Suds and the Squared Circle podcast. We are here live with you, and we are going to be talking about quite a bit of news coming out of the world of General Hospital and the WWE, simply because it's been a long, well, a short week for General Hospital, however, a long week for WWE. Remember the website is sudsandsquaredcircle.com. and, suds and You can buy our merch at suds dot As always, follow uh, suds and the Circle on Twitter at suds SQ pod. You can follow us on TikTok at suds underscore squared underscore circle it's underscore circle. Easy for me to say. And email me anytime, Vinny at suds and and I will definitely get back to you as soon as possible, and maybe even spotlight you on the on the show. As well as you can leave voice messages now as well, just due to Anchor being our um, who we host the podcast through. And you can easily go ahead and, and do that. I will get that. I will provide that link in the information and uh, description down below of where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Anyways, let's get into it. Uh, big return for the WWE, which I'll get to with the Extreme Rules review coming up in just a little bit, but in terms of Port Charles news and, and, and notes, uh, this past week there was only four episodes. Now, Friday they did go ahead and preempt General Hospital because of the Major League Baseball playoff uh, situation where they had one of the wild card games on ABC on Friday afternoon instead, although I would venture to say that, uh, during the day on a Friday, especially on ABC, uh, I would say General Hospital would probably get more ratings. I don't understand why they would do that. You can keep the, uh, I mean, now granted, there are, uh, technically four games that they want to play at the same time, uh, in the wild card, uh, situation, the wild card, uh, branch of the playoffs, uh, wild card, uh, division series, uh, you know, because you've got two from the American League, two from the National League, and they utilized ESPN, they utilize uh, TNT, TBS, and then uh, ABC is that branch of ESPN. But they could have put it on ESPN too. They could have put it on another sports network. They didn't have to take off General Hospital. Um, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan. Yankees are in the uh, Divisional Series. They're taking on the Cleveland Indians. Uh, excuse me. Got to go with the PC culture now, the Cleveland Guardians um and uh that's going further uh actually yeah cuz the guardians did win their wild card series and they move on to face the Yankees Aaron Judge congratulations to him last week in their very last regular season game he did hit number 62 uh the 62nd home run of the season breaking Roger Maris's a uh, long standing record for uh home runs in uh, a season uh, if for the American League at least, obviously, Barry Bonds holds the record for the National League with, I believe it was like 72 or 71, something to that effect. Um, that was a number of years ago. Of course, now, Roger Maris Jr., obviously the son of Roger Maris, he wants to have the record books kind of put an asterisk and say uh, Roger Maris got the uh, record in pre-PED era. And then, now, moving forward, everybody else is post-PED era. Uh, Maris's record actually went down a number of years ago, in the 90s, uh, with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa battling back and forth. Um, but the American, they were still, they were in the National League. Now, McGuire's, though, um, actually was weird, because McGuire actually uh, was part in the American League and part in the National League, so in the record books it doesn't necessarily show during that year um because the way the, the baseball statistics works is that whatever you do in the national league it doesn't carry over to the american league and so on and so forth so even though mcguire did hit you know a number of home runs that year i believe it was 66 if i'm not mistaken um which it'll still count for the amount of home runs he hit that year it was still um, half in the American League and half in the National League because he went from the Oakland A's to the St. Louis Cardinals, and then uh, Sammy Sosa was the uh, Chicago Cubs full full time that season. So that was a that was back and forth. That was a fantastic feud uh, between McGuire and Sosa, where they were literally literally battling um, each other that entire season and. and And matching one for one, eventually Maguire pulled away. Of course, then, you know, he gets popped for Andro... Whatever the uh, performance-enhancing substance was. Which was not a banned substance at the time. Um, It was just a a form of testosterone. Um, It wasn't necessarily a steroid, per se. Um, And then Sammy Sosa got popped a couple years later for having a cork bat. So... You know, every one of his home runs gets called into question. Aaron Judge, from all intents and purposes, um, clean, as far as I'm concerned. He's never popped uh, dirty on a drug test or any of that. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's a legitimate record for Aaron Judge. Congratulations to him again, um, going out to him. Uh, And this is a career year. He only signed a one-year deal with the Yankees uh, back in the spring. And going forward, he's going to command a lot of money. He's going to command probably something in the range of ten years over three hundred million dollars for a contract going forward. And hopefully, the Yankees can keep him, Uh, because quite honestly, he's a homegrown Yankee. He's another Jeter. Let's just hope they keep him and uh, keep the legacy there. All right, no, enough about baseball news. Like I said, there were only four episodes of General Hospital. Uh, last week on ABC because of the baseball playoffs. So let's go. Um, there was, a, you know, quite a bit of um, stuff that happened this week. Obviously, we did go ahead and uh, find out that uh, Diane basically said that there was a female who attacked her as the hooker. So now we know it is a female. Obviously, towards the end of the week, we see Esme back where she uh, takes off her hood, reveals that she's back uh, to Ryan Chamberlain, her father. You know, obviously he questions how she got into Spring Ridge when she's presumed dead and also wanted by the police. So she, you know, found out her way. Like, she used to be an intern there. So naturally, she understands the camera schedule and the guard schedule and how to manipulate that information in order to get in there. But that was also after uh, Ava went to go visit Ryan because she wanted to find out if he's still in his locked-in state. And now that obviously we know that he's not, we know that he's playing that and he's pretending. Um, you know, but the cameras kind of show the camera showed him making a fist when she she was talking about the fact that Esme went off the parapet and the eyes. Um, you know, his eyes were showing. Uh, Rage, so to speak. Um, You know, he did have a uh, little bit of a a dream sequence where he got up and and uh, you know pushed Ava against the wall and held her by the throat after you know uh, bringing up Esme and that was uh, you know. Let me put it this way: and the tenth, the guy, the Matt at the tenth floor actually said it best, where he said that uh, uh, you know. Ryan you know, John Lindstrom playing Ryan Sherman, knowing that it's just an act, really c- captured, captures that essence of a serial killer, psychopath, sociopath, in that you actually legitimately fear for the characters in the room with him when they're by him by themselves. Um, and it's amazing. I, I gotta give huge props to John Lindstrom. I mean, he played Ryan first and then came on as that as a mild mannered Kevin. Um But now uh, he's playing more Ryan because we hardly ever see, you know, hardly hardly ever see uh, Kevin on campus unless, you know, it's the fact that he's uh, helping somebody with, uh, you know, obviously a psychotherapy appointment. He's helping Elizabeth uncover memories from her past uh, regarding, you know, uh, the potential of uh, Finn's deceased wife down at the bottom of the stairs. Obviously, that's another option that it might be Reiko, Finn's ex-wife, as the poor Charles hooker, but why would she target, um, you know, people that are close to Sonny, right? Uh, first Ava, then uh, Brand- Brando, even though Jocelyn was the supposed intended target, uh, and then Diane, although on Thursday's episode, we did see another uh, person get hooked, and that was uh, Oz Haggerty, who's the guy that uh, helped put... Uh, uh, vindicate Trina from her, you know, sentence and, and, and you know, uh, exonerate, I should say, Trina. and But that's a red herring. That was Esme, as far as we're led to believe at, at, at this point. I haven't watched today's episode yet. I'm not going to watch it until later. Uh, but yeah, Esme, uh, it looks like Esme hooked um, Oz as a copycat to the current... Uh, state of affairs, and, and just to play off of the current state of affairs, to basically say, hey, he's another victim, even though, you know, she's the one that did it. And again, that's going to be a red herring, I can guarantee. Um, we did see that Spencer, um, obviously, working in the library in prison, this first time, we're well, no, not the first time, but the second time we're seeing Spencer in Teddyville, and um, actually... Uh, he ran into well, he got into a little bit of an altercation with a fellow inmate, who held held Spencer accountable basically for taking his job. Um, he had worked so hard. The guys, <laughs> the guys' uh, nickname was Book because he worked in the worked in the library. And then, um, you know, basically, the guy said that he worked his butt off for years to get into the library and Spencer came in and just immediately got it because of his privilege because because of his uh, you know his uncle Victor who pulled strings but it was really Rory um Rory got Spencer the job so I mean that could have been a little bit of prison politics uh being played on uh you know on Spe- on Rory's part to get Spencer kind of having a target on him let alone the fact that he's Nephew of Sonny Corunthos nephew of Victor Katsin, and also nef- uh, nephew of this man, <clears throat> Cyrus Renault, who obviously is Laura's brother, and he's in prison. He's in Penville, serving his life sentence or whatever it may be. And uh, Cyrus offered Spencer help. Basically, ran off the kid, the other inmate who was attacking Spencer, and basically told. Uh, Basically told Spencer that, you know, um, that he needed to watch his back and not make, you know, not make enemies, and that that Cyrus would uh, be there to protect Spencer, and all Spencer had to do was ask. Uh, Spencer did not want to take the, uh, you know, take the help because he knows Cyrus, but uh, he might have to. So we'll see. Um, We'll see if he actually takes Cyrus up, Uncle Cyrus up on his offer. But that's a that's a crazy. Uh, position to be in for him. Um, you know, they, they had the aftermath of Finn and, and or uh, excuse me, of, uh, uh, of Valentine and Anna and their, their sexual escapade. And, uh, you know, Valentine is back to doing the bidding for uh, Victor. You know, he wants to stay on his good side, figure out what Victor is doing to, uh, you know, what his, his plans are going forward, especially with, uh, you know, the supposed climate situation and how, you know, it, it's something that they're building up to. It's a slow burn storyline. Obviously, Victor is saying he wants to keep the family close. He did go ahead and, and basically threaten Nicholas, uh, last week with, uh, you know, divorcing Ava, especially because now, you know, he's got the, uh, uh, because Ava has the confession on video and in a letter that uh, Nicholas says that Esme was, you know, killed by him by throwing him off the parapet. And that's going to really go ahead and put a damper on things, so to speak, for Uncle Victor. Because there's video proof now that Nicholas is, is covering for Ava. Um, so... Diane woke up, Diane did say that it was a woman, Diane, uh, is uh, breathing on her own, um, now clearly, when we left last week, Sonny had, you know, basically jumped to the conclusion that it could have been Dex as the hooker, so he had Dex hung up in his freezer at Pizzulo's, and then, you know, they were, you know, intimidating him, punching him, you know, beating him up, basically to force a confession, even though Dex stayed true and said, no, it wasn't him, um, And basically, when Sonny found out that Diane had said it was a female, he realized, well, it's not Dex. Um, But in the meantime, uh, Dante was looking for Dex, trying to find out where he is. Uh, Michael was looking for Dex, because Michael was obviously employing Dex to spy on Sonny. And, you know, uh, clearly, um, these wasn't doing that but he was just basically saying hey sonny you know you know you know what you do to people that cross you and where is he and um especially because he's been cl- getting closer to jocelyn and christina had asked as well because christina because dex was christina's bodyguard for the time or protection um, so everybody's asking where dex is obviously sonny wasn't going to tell him until jocelyn comes back and then meets up with this guy carver Carver uh, was hired by, you know, hired by Sonny from the Woos um, to force a confession out of Dex. Now, they kind of wrote this a little weird. This has been brought up on on, on numerous uh, podcasts about, you know, the fact that the guy's name, supposed nickname is Carver, right? And, you know, uh, he had a roll of knives, but Sonny didn't necessarily know that he was going to use the knives on Dex and said, no, I didn't want anybody caught. I just wanted the convention. I wanted the intimidation factor. Um, so, why would you hire somebody nicknamed Carver? Um, I mean, unless he's really a butcher and he has that and, you know, that's why, but still. Um, th- that was really awkwardly written for Sonny not to know who he's hiring or the reputation behind them. Um and um, you know, so Sunny has all these people asking about Dex. Dex being uh, hung up in the freezer right now. However, with that said, um, however, with that said, Josh comes back and says, you know, once she sees Carver, I have to get my, I have to get my jacket. Um, you know, she she wouldn't be allowed there. Carver wouldn't allow her. Um, So she went to get Michael and Michael came back with her and said, listen, we all know that Sonny is a a mob boss or a mobster and he's going to do what he has to do in order to get um, his way. And, you know, she's going to go look or you're going to be implicated as well because you know Sonny won't get his hands dirty. Um, She's going to go look for a jacket and, you know, basically... She did. She found Dex. They got him down, and then that's when Sonny came back and said, "Okay, it was a woman. We know it wasn't you, and so on and so forth." Um, although, although Michael afterwards did um, Michael did visit Dex at home and say, "Here, here's your you know your your job is done. I don't want to put you in harm's way anymore. Here's fifty thousand dollars severance pay." And Dex said, "But I'm really close now. Like by Sonny knowing that i don't have you know i'm not the one that did it even though i went through all the torture it you know gives me more respect in his eyes which is true so you know he's in it till the end and michael said you know keep the money as hazard paid and you know keep going for it um so we'll see how that plays out i, I really want to see it. eventually i think the dex is going to side with sonny against michael He's gonna see that Sonny is not as bad of a guy as Michael is making out to be, because Michael is acting like a petulant child. Um, but you know, we'll see. I think I think Dex is gonna see the the more honorable person is Sonny. Um, either that, or he's gonna turn on on both of them, which you know it could be. It's definitely a possibility. Um, now to move on to the whole Jacksonville situation. Clearly, uh, General Hospital is trying different things with. You know, obviously with the Nixon fall storyline last year, and now uh, Carly is down in Jacksonville trying to um, not get her mother's grave moved. Um, But again, you know, and it's like the questions are there. Like Carly had never been down to visit her mother's grave, right? Um, Jason was the person taking care of it. Obviously Jason couldn't be contacted because he's supposedly dead now. Um, You know, and, and everybody's asking, you know, why is it such a big deal now? You've never come back to visit her. You're not even the person that who's supposed to be taking care of the grave. What's the big deal now? You know, so it, there, it begs the question as to why does Carly feel so strongly about this when she's never actually gone down to visit her mother's grave? Um, and then, of course, um, Drew has to come down to to make sure that Carly's okay. and It's just a very, very strange storyline. Like, you know, they want to have Carly quote-unquote, find herself, right? Which is why she's mixing it up with the, the woman uh, who was the mother of the girl that Carly basically took her name from. And also, you know, her husband had an affair with, a, with an underage Carly. So, you know, it kind of shows that, you know, Carly had bad intentions once she was younger and when she came into poor Charles. Because, of course, you know, her, her given name apparently is Caroline Benson. You know, so she took Carly. I don't know where they get Carly from Reese, or you know, I, I guess I guess that was the girl's name that you know died. That was Carly's friend, and as a child, and ended up getting into a car accident, or whatever. You know, um, because they were from different upbringings and everything, and you know, it's just uh, it's just a, a very weird storyline. Like I don't understand where they're going with it. Um, you know. Uh, other than trying to get Carly and Drew together um, that's the only possibility that I could see as to why they would have this story um, and especially out of Port Charles right I mean they want to keep Carly and Drew safe from the hooker and and everything and they want to have them get together but I don't know I think they could have figured out a different way of, of doing that right um, but of course I'm not a writer for General Hospital Um, let's see. So, so we know that, we know that Willow is struggling with the leukemia diagnosis, right? And also being pregnant. Um, because of the fact that, you know, she doesn't want to tell Michael. She's keeping everything a secret. I don't know why. That's kind of ridiculous that I'm talking, you know, that, that, um, it's kind of ridiculous as I'm talking about it, that she wouldn't want to tell her, fiance, boyfriend, husband, ex-husband, whatever the case is, wherever they want to define themselves as, the fact that she has, you know, leukemia, and she's got to take treatment, and their unborn child is still in there, and, you know, it could cause chaos everywhere, um, and Willow's struggling with all this by herself, um, you know, she come, you know, she goes to TJ, who, they're friends, and You know TJ basically offers friendship and a hug and and saying you know you're going through a lot I don't agree with you not telling Michael but I'm here for you right um you know and of course Nina has to come around the corner and see them embracing now a hug is a hug right I mean it could you know and, and when you have a friend you do hug you know especially if you're trying to comfort somebody It could be a longer hug than normal so to speak you know that you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic hug um, but, you know, Nina's jumping to conclusions, and she's going to come to the conclusion saying that Willow is cheating on T- on Michael with TJ and chaos cause chaos because that's what Nina's known to do because, you know, they're keeping, you know, Wiley away from her because of her, you know, association with Sonny and, you know, because Nina kept Sonny away from his family for all those months in Nixon Falls. You know, basically going through the same tired ridiculous problem that, that's that been going on um, that basically has no bearing whatsoever uh, now, uh, now granted Nina is a loose cannon and, and has in the past made several missteps with Wiley um, but again you know it's like uh, whatever um, with that said um, Nina's going to cause chaos for Michael and Willow and that's going to be the blackmail that she's going to use in order to get herself to see Wiley and her and Sonny so to speak um, and it's going to blow up in her face, and Willow will need to be, you know, will need to have the, um, will, will need to make the choice whether to tell TJ, whether, whether to tell Michael about the leukemia, or to, you know, allow, um, Nina to see Wiley behind Michael's back. So it's going to, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, A storyline that's used in so many times, you know, blackmail. Um, You know, so anywho, tension in the ranks between uh, Curtis and Trina. Uh, Curtis had gotten Ava to fire Trina and to keep her away from the gallery if she's a, you know, if she's you know a target of the hooker. So you know they got her into another art gallery, the Chuck, the Port Charles Museum, right, Um, as an internship or or whatever. And, you know, uh, Curtis, you know, basically said, here, you know, you got to get her away from you to keep her safe. Uh, Of course, you know, kind of meddling and Trina found out about it and Trina was upset and, you know, clearly she doesn't want to be treated like this kid and, and, and everything. So she ends up having a conversation with Portia on Thursday's episode and, you know they sat down at Kelly's, and you know Trina was making a basically making a statement saying, "I'm not a kid anymore. I understand that you know you guys want to keep me safe, but you can't meddle in my life like that." Um, and I don't appreciate Curtis trying to be father when trying to be a father when he's not my father. Of course, they're going into this because the question of Trina's paternity is is going to be coming out soon, whether Curtis is really her father or not, or if it's still Taggart. And, um, you know, Portia kind of said, well, when we get married, he is going to be a father figure to you. Um, you know, and of course they're going way deep into this whole, you know, he's not my father and she's 19 years old. So, I mean, it's not like it's a kid saying, oh no, you're not my father. I don't have to listen to you. It's more like stay out of my life or, or don't meddle in my life. I understand you care. Um, you know, and, and of course, Portia says, you know, that Curtis did a lot during the trial in order to, um, you know, uh, um, what you call it, you know, to, to keep her out of prison, and Marshall did a lot, and Taggart did a lot, and, you know, basically everybody loves her and, and cares about her, right? Um, so, we'll see about how would that go. But I understand where Trina's coming from, and I, and I really do think that she's, um, you know, going to get over it. They did talk about it, and Trina forgave Curtis um, and basically said, oh, um, you know, just don't meddle in my life too much, and, um, you know, I want to do things on my own, and, you know, I don't need the help. So that's where that's where that goes. I mean, that kind of um, cleared that that little disagreement up, and... You know, we'll see in the next few weeks whether they reveal whether Curtis is Trina's um, father or not. I, I at this point, I hope that they kind of drop it or they it come out comes out that Tagger is her father, and just keep well enough alone at this point. Like I don't want to see Curtis get hurt again because Portugal was lying to him. You know, I mean, it, it's gonna end up being a, a lesson that Curtis learns um, that everybody has their secrets, and you know, Jordan kept secrets from him for work purposes, but this whole 19 years that Portia never let Trina, let Curtis know yeah. that, you know, Trina is his, you know, that, that's going to be another nail in the coffin, so to speak. And Curtis is going to learn not to trust anybody for that matter. Um, so, well, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if, you know, they just dropped it and just said, Hey, you know, Taggart is your father and just kind of dropped the whole thing. Right. Um, so that's almost it. I miss anything for General Hospital this week. Um, you know, of course they're, they're doing the, you know, the whole thing of Cody and, you know, Cody still has a backstory that we're still not too, too sure of. Is he Mac's son? You know, why is he in Port Charles now? Why, you know, what kind of, why is he dealing with Miss Wu? You know, I with the casino nights and, and, you know, what kind of trouble is he getting into? Um, so we'll see. Um, Elizabeth and Finn had a double date with Yuri and Terry. Um, you know, and again, this storyline is going, are they doing a little bit of rewriting of history? Like I thought Finn got into, you know, we all thought Finn got into infectious diseases because his wife had the blackwood syndrome and he couldn't save her. But this week it came out that he, it was another friend, Garrett, that passed away um, from a poisonous snake bite years earlier with Doctors Without Borders, which made him get into that. Um, you know what I mean? So, I don't. Again, it, it's something that's going to be. I don't know whether it's going to be history written. Is Rako still alive? Did Finch see her die? Um. You know, this is just a storyline that's going to be coming down, um, and that, uh, you know, um, basically coming out that, that Finn had shut down when Rico died, and he didn't love again until Hayden, and then, you know, Hayden pulled her bullshit and left, and, you know, now now he's, you know, he loves Elizabeth, and he wants to be with her, um, so, again, we'll, we'll figure out how, how, where that's going, right? Um, you know, d- despite... Um, uh, this is something... And I'm reading this off of SoapCentral.com um, for Thursday's episode. Finn surmised that Elizabeth thought the person he lamented not having been able to save was Reiko. Um Finn claimed that he'd shut down after Rako had died. Despite Finn's romantic relationships with both Hayden and Anna, Finn claimed that Elizabeth had unlocked, unlocked a part of him he thought had been lost forever, forever when Rako died. Now come to find out that maybe Elizabeth and her father or her father or somebody in that, you know, family was responsible for Riko's death, being, you know, Riko being thrown down the stairs after possibly having an affair with her father. I I don't, you know, it's getting just a very convoluted thing. It's a storyline that's kind of showing backstory for both Elizabeth and Finn and, Hey, you know, maybe we were both in the Mariana, in the Mariana Islands at the same time, and, you know, uh, I don't know, it's just weird to me where it's going. Um, I'm anxious to see where it's going, but it's weird nonetheless, and, um, I don't necessarily know where it's going to, uh, end up. Will, uh, well, and, and, you know, will, will they reveal that Riko is still alive, you know, and, and Finn is still married, you know, and then you have, you know, um, you know his daughter, um, uh, Violet. You know, and then, you know, will she be accepted? And just all these questions again. And will that, what will that do for Elizabeth and Finn? Will Elizabeth's family come back? We do see that the, the, the General Hospital has signed on veteran soap actress Allie Mills coming into Port Charles. So we'll see um, who she's going to play. Will she play Elizabeth's mother? Will she be playing you know, uh, somebody else who, who is a new character potentially. Um, we also see that, uh, Brianna Lane, uh, did a couple episodes, uh, stepping in for Amanda Satin as Brooklyn Corden main. Um, I don't necessarily know how I feel about that. I like, um, I like the original Brooklyn better. Um, but of course she probably wasn't available during the taping times for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I'm just—I don't know—I I just don't see her as being too New Yorkish. You know what I mean? Being an Italian from you know from from the city Bensonhurst, you know, um, it, which is close to—I'm assuming close to like Queens and in that general Little Italy area. I don't see Brianna Lane playing that Italian character, right? Quartermaine is not an Italian name, but um, <clears throat> she's got that that spunk, you know, like like Olivia Falconeri—that's Italian. <clears throat> for, you know, but Brooklyn has that, that New York accent, that New York attitude. I don't see Brianna Lane kind of portraying that like Amanda Seton does. So, I, I you know, um, that's just a quick programming note for General Hospital. Uh, and, um, you know, that this hook storyline is probably what they're going to be doing for uh, November sweeps which will be coming up so we'll see how that plays out and how the ratings kind of kind of uh, back up the, the the drama so to speak or will will we see in the future with the near future General Hospital going to a streaming only platform like Hulu or or Disney plus um, it could be either one um, which I wouldn't be mad either way if you put it on Hulu only, Excuse me. If we put it on Hulu only, and you're able to just stream it, you could do so much more with creativity. Like you don't have to worry about the FCC. Um, Days of Our Lives recently moved over to Peacock, I guess. Um, from the news that I've seen, they're they're going. They're pushing the envelope, so to speak, um, with the first daytime threesome um, that's going to be happening on Days this week, I believe. Um, I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> um, but anyways. So we'll see whether or not, whether or not the, the the sweeps weeks there's going to be doom for the soap opera genre and having it move from network television over the air, you know, over the air, um, television, or if it's going to go to a streaming platform, which I think streaming is the future. You know, it's just a matter of getting 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 brought, you know, to the new generation and to the new um, frontier of of. of watching of TV. Um, I, I guess Days has lost a number of viewers because of the move to to Peacock, but uh, who knows if it's just temporary, right? You know, pretty soon people who are diehard fans are going to say, hey, you know what, it's just, you know, 10 bucks a month, and cut the cord. Like, I mean, granted, when it's on network TV, generally speaking, you can get it off of an antenna, you don't have to pay for it, but then you have to worry about ads. I'm sorry, I'm going to pay the $10 a month so I don't have to worry about ads. (laughs) That's just me, Um, which is what I do. I've been paying $10 a month for Peacock ever since WWE Network moved over there. And I have no problem with it. Outside of some of their... um, Outside of them getting into their censorship with certain things WWE history-based, which I don't like because I'm against censorship, um, outside of that, I I like the fact that there's no ads. I like, you know, I don't like necessarily how they have ad cutaways and then, you know, goes to black, comes back, but they kind of have no choice but to have those ad spots in there for the people that have the, you know, lower tier of Peacock. I don't know. We'll see how it goes going forward. Will GH be on Hulu? Will GH go on to Disney Plus? Will, you know, will it kind of open the creative envelope again? Um, You know, generally speaking, a lot of these soap operas, just like in wrestling, just like in WWE, a lot of the storylines have been used over and over and over again. Think about it. You know, General Hospital's been on for 60 years. WWE has been around for about 50 years, if not older, in terms of, uh, you know, WWWF and then up to, you know, up to WrestleMania, before WrestleMania. So these storylines have been used. You know, so how, how do you go about making new storylines when you're only handcuffed to certain styles of storylines because of the um, because of the FCC, because of the, the, the culture that we're in right now, right? If you go to streaming, you don't have to worry so much about the FCC. Um, you have to worry about people having backlash, but if you don't like it, don't watch it. That's just, you know, my opinion, okay. So that's about all that really happened in Port Charles this week. Um, Moving on to WWE Extreme Rules, the premium live event that was on Peacock on Saturday night, the 8th of October. Which I did end up watching the replay. I did not watch the actual event live. I was actually at a comic comedian show. Um, For those those of you out there who enjoy going to comedy shows and uh, listening to comedians or whatever... I highly recommend going to see Joe Dombrowski Um, mr. D is his name he's a teacher Uh, my wife is a teacher so she got you know she got the tickets Uh, she listens to his podcast which is called uh, social studies I believe Um, you know it's pretty cool he's a he's a gay teacher and you know a lot of his uh, jokes are very funny and they're apparently um, uh, you know based upon real-life situations that he's come across um, that's where I was in Providence on Saturday night um, but definitely nonetheless go take go take a listen it may not be for everybody um, but yeah um, <clears throat> moving on so I did end up catching the extreme rules um, replay on peacock uh, last night I did watch it I and you know what top to bottom fantastic uh, event I had no problems with it you know I did have a one problem I did have um during one of the matches and i'll get into it as i go into the recap but overall the wwe ever since triple h took over and of course right now he's hot shining the territory right he's making sure that he's doing as much as he can to get the eyes on the prize to get the the, you know more people to tune in to, to to swell the audience again right um you know so many people stopped watching because of lackluster stories lackluster you know events because it was all toned down because after a while everybody was catering to Vince and, and the audience of one um but now the triple h is at the helm for creative and talent relations he's able to make those deals to bring back the people that you know that the fans really want to see and the people that he helped to mold into his team right vince had pat patterson and joe briscoe and Tony Gurria, and Sergeant Slaughter, and Chief J. Strongbow, and, you know, Jack Lanza back in the day. And, you know, he had his team, but now Triple H has his team. Gabe Sapolsky, and um, Ryan Katz, and Road Dog and Shawn Michaels, and, you know, so he's got his team together now. And that's going to be, that's proving to be fantastic in terms of storytelling, right? Um, so, how do we do um, for... The extreme, the extreme rules premium live event in uh, Philadelphia. Um, great open by Paul Heyman. Obviously, Paul Heyman is the best talker in the business at this point. Obviously, that he was at the head of ECW that was in Philadelphia. He knows all about extreme. Um, <clears throat> all right, first match: Brawling Brutes. They defeated Imperium in a good old fashioned Donnybrook Brook match. Basically, uh, it was a fantastic. Uh, Fantastic show, it was um, a fantastic match, it was a free-for-all basically, all six guys, there was no tags, there were no anything, um, and uh, Sheamus, Butch, and Rich Holland took the match, Um, overall, it was a little hard to follow, right, you know, they brought out a bar, and they brought out different furniture, and it was just a a fight, just a good old-fashioned fight, it could have been, honestly, they could have done it in a bar, right, If they had a, you know, kind of like similar to the APA uh, back in the Attitude Era. They could have done it in a bar. And it probably would have been a lot better because the bar would have already been there. But I guess they just didn't want to do anything on location like that. Not that they're a publicly traded company, right? Second match on the card. We have a new SmackDown Women's Champion. It is Ronda Rousey, the baddest woman on the planet she did defeat Liv Morgan. Uh, she basically made Liv Morgan pass out, um, and I'm glad because Liv Morgan was not a champion. You know, she she got a win after the Money in the Bank. After Ronda was tired from a match already, and then there was no reason, you know. And then the second match, she won by a fluke because Ronda had her tapping out, but the ref didn't see it. You know, and then somehow she beat Chanda Baszler. I still don't understand that. Either, um, but Ronda Rousey got the title back, and Liv Morgan, in defeat, it looked like she was smiling as she passed out, and her Twitter has gone dark. So, but she's not the only one whose Twitter has gone dark after the after the the event, and more more than that later. Uh, now, Karrion and Cross did defeat Drew McIntyre in a strat match. So, first off, if you didn't see it, definitely it's worth watching. Um, uh, Scarlet alone, um, let me put it this way, definitely uh, was some eye candy as she came out with with carrying Cross um, and she did get involved in the match later on. However, the only thing I didn't like about this match now for the mainly for the rules of a strap match or chain match or anything, you have to go to all four corners. At least that's how it's been in the past. However, carrying Cross defeated Drew, St- Drew McIntyre. With a pinfall, like he didn't even have to um, incapacitate his opponent, and drag him from rope, you know, from turnbuckle to turnbuckle. I think that would have been a greater, uh, a better match, um, in my opinion, because that would have stayed with the rules of a strap match. So, why would there be a pinfall? I don't understand why they changed that. But Karen Cross won after Scarlett hit Drew, uh, basically uh, spray Drew in the eyes with pepper spray, and then uh, Karen Cross hit his cross hammer. One, two, three. Cross is over. I I don't you know, and I said it before. I think he looks better with hair than than bald. But I gotta have to take that back at this point. <laughs> he looked a lot more menacing with a shaved head. But whatever. Um, next we had the very first women's ladder match for a singles championship. Uh, Bianca Belair did beat Bailey and retain the Raw Women's Champion championship. I was kind of hoping Bailey was gonna win. Uh, I just. See, here's the deal. I don't like Bianca Belair, and it has nothing to do with her lack, with, with a supposed lack of athleticism. She's a fantastic athlete, um, attitude, you know, she's got everything. She has it. She has the charisma and everything. I don't like the hair. Like, she has this, you know, four-foot-long ponytail, a braid, that comes off her head, and she uses it as a weapon, Come on now, that's a that's a foreign object who it's, that should not be allowed to be used at all in a match. I don't like that aspect of it. Like you're telling people they can't use foreign objects. She's able to whip with her hair. Who knows what's in that hair? What's in that braid? Um. But anyways, uh, so so uh Bianca Belair is still your Raw Women's Champion. Uh, Finn Balor defeated Edge in I quit match. Of course, it's it's not the blow off of the storyline because. Um, Rey Mysterio got involved, the entire Judgment Day got involved, um, Beth Phoenix got involved, and Beth Phoenix, basically the only reason why Ed said I quit was because Rhea Ripley was going to give Beth the concerto after she was had been knocked unconscious, and Ed said I quit to save his wife, and then Rhea went ahead and did it anyways, I mean, typical heel move, right, um, but I'm not really sure as to where it's going. I mean, we know that it's going to be... It's going to end up being Edge, Rey Mysterio, and Beth Phoenix against um, Dominic, Finn, Damian Priest, and uh, Rhea Ripley. Who's going to be the fourth person on the team with with uh, with Edge? Maybe it's going to be Matt Riddle. I don't know what they have set for him going forward after, this, after his match with Seth Rollins. Um... So we'll see. Maybe they're, they're setting that up for Survivor Series next month. Um, Alright, so like I said, like I mentioned, Matt Riddle faced Seth Rollins, Seth freaking Rollins inside the fight pit. Matt Riddle won. He made uh, Seth, uh, was it, tap out or pass out? Either way, Daniel Cormier was the guest referee for this match. Um, great match. I, I, I have to say it was a fantastic match. Uh, I had never seen a fight pit because I did not watch... Matt Riddle versus Timothy Thatcher. Um, but either way, it was a great match. Seth Rollins, after the match, his Twitter went dark as well. Um, could could uh, Rollins and um, Morgan be involved in the upcoming, upcoming uh, storyline with the next act that came back? Uh, they finally revealed who was the White Rabbit. And probably to nobody's surprise, it was Bray Wyatt, who uh, is back. Um, as soon as Riddle and Cormier were up at the ramp, uh, you know, they put the little toaster in the bottom corner saying, you know, um, this has been a pre- presentation of WWE and, you know, extreme rules, copyright 2022, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then all of a sudden lights go out, you know, and Michael Cole and Corey Graves are like, are we still on what's going on? And then they showed each, each member of the Firefly Funhouse, um, ...in the audience as, as a human, right? Huskus the Pig and Mercy the Buzzard and, and Abby the Witch and, um, you know, for a sec- brief second... ...and then The Fiend um, and then Michael Cole and Corey Graves had a mask on, on, on the commentary table. Um, then they show on the time, which is really good about this, and, I, and I, I love the production value. They showed the Firefly Funhouse kind of all cobwebbed and dusty and, and everything... On the, on the Titantron, on the screen. And then there was a door that came about. And, um, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, Bray Wyatt comes out with a mask on. Takes the mask off. And, of course, reveals himself to be Bray Wyatt. The pop was huge. And we'll see where it goes uh, tonight on Raw. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes. And we'll see how they're going to react. Because the Fiend character was just... Like it was a great character, but when they gave him the title, it just didn't work. Like, how do you do that, right? You have this supernatural being, and you're gonna put a title on him where he has to lose the title. Um, it made no sense to me. Uh, but you know, Triple H at the helm, Gabe Sapolsky's there, and so is uh, um, uh oh, what the hell, JB, um, Jeremy Borash, of course, what another Triple H guy. Uh, So, it remains to be seen how they're going to treat the Fiend character, or at least Bray Wyatt going forward, and the entire Firefly Funhouse. Could Liv Morgan and Seth Rollins be part of that whole crew now? Um, And, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm intrigued, right? I'm intrigued. I was never really a huge, a very huge Bray Wyatt fan. Um, You know, I thought the Fiend and how they did Bray Wyatt and the Fiend is kind of, uh, I guess, uh, um, like Finn Balor and the Demon. Um, I, I kind of liked it, but they kind of screwed up with with having the fiend beat Seth Rollins for the title, at, uh, you know, in Saudi Arabia. Because again, how do you beat a supernatural being, right? You know, they had Randy Orton burn him alive last year at WrestleMania. That was the last time that he was seen until he was released in July. So, you know, and then they had Alexa Bliss take on the fiend persona, and you know, just it, it was convoluted the way it went. That's all I'm saying. But. That's pretty much it for today. I have to do a short episode today because I do have a job to get to, and my work schedule has been crazy. Um, you know, so I at least wanted to get the show on today, um, but unfortunately, it's going to be quite a while before you know. Uh, you know, I don't have the full hour, that's why it's going to stop at fifty minutes. But regardless, I want to thank you all for listening wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Definitely check out uh, Social Studies by Joe Dabrowski if you're looking for a really good comic. Uh, Check out JLG Media, uh, James Law Jr., uh, The 10th Floor, uh, Pier 54, Ring the Bell Radio. Um, You know, we're still trying to do some collaborations going forward, uh, just a matter of scheduling. Um, So just definitely check it out. And again, follow me on, follow on Twitter at SudsSQCirclePod. Follow on TikTok at Suds underscore squared underscore circle. Um, and then you can email me, Vinny, at sudsandsquaredcircle.com. The website is sudsandsquaredcircle.com. And then you can always buy our merch at uh, Um And definitely go for it. Have a great day, everybody.